everybody, and welcome to That's Life, the show where we inadvertently got dressed like looking like Mary Poppins this morning and carrying an umbrella hasn't helped. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for listening. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, and general manager here at the Nahum Siegel Network. You can find me here every Thursday at 10 a.m., right after Charlie and right before Nahum's live lunch. Is Charlie still in the other room? Charlie is still in the other room. So I'm going to give Charlie a shout-out because, as I mentioned to him while we were transitioning, I brought up his name dur- All right. I brought up his name during an Azraeli class that I was teaching this week just to talk about how authentic and real and sincere he is in real life and on camera. Because for those people who have enjoyed his Aish videos, and I know many, many of you have, you know that by looking at Charlie and listening to his message, you can say, man, maybe it's an act. I promise you, not only is it not an act, because I've sat with Charlie and he's just that real and authentic and sincere in real life, but the camera knows when you're lying. That's the message that I gave these students when I was doing some media training. The camera knows when you're lying. So if you think you can fake it on camera, you're wrong. Charlie Harari is just that nice of a guy, just that sincere in real life. I'm coming to you from the home of the Nachum Siegel Network on the beautiful Lower East Side. Weather is not looking good here today. It is always beautiful here, but I left Long Island. It was 64 degrees and sunny, and I got here, and it's overcast and threatening. What do I know? If you are a new listener to the show, thank you for taking a break from your day to tune in. If you are a returning listener, thanks as always for making us part of your day. If Miriam L. Wallach once a week is just not enough for you, do what Avi Lauer does. You can friend me on Facebook or send me an invite on LinkedIn. Shoot me an email, Miriam at NahumSiegel.com. I will not respond to you during the show. I will, however, get back to you afterwards. Follow us on Twitter, NahumSiegelNet, all one word, and Miriam L. Wallach, also one word. Shout out, actually, to Avi. A thanks to Avi for retweeting my tweet last night. I was at an event at YU, as were what seemed like the Gansa Ilam. It was Nat Lewin and Justice Antonin Scalia, hosted by Rabbi uh, Dr. Mayor Soloveitchik in a conversation about the separation of church and state. I have to tell you, honestly, it was a packed house. It was a completely awesome event. My husband and I brought two of our kids because one was the next time or ever that they were ever going to be in the same room with a justice of the Supreme Court. It was pretty incredible. The conversation was lively and was dynamic. And it was one of those moments that I was a very, very proud YU, or in this case, Stern College alum, The tagline at YU is nowhere but here, and I have to say that last night certainly spoke to that. It was a powerful night. The last question of the night was something along the lines of, why do Orthodox Jews make good lawyers? And there was a lot of conversation about it, and it was a very sweet way to end. But the fact of the matter is is that that the bringing together of those different personalities and those different celebrities on stage is really something that could only happen at Yeshiva University. Let's go to our favorite segment. we got to talk about the fortune cookies. Oop, I gotta grab one. Hold on. I got it. Alright, my fortune cook. Sorry, Avram. I know you don't like one. Alright, fine. Oh, I didn't say hi to you. Oh, rude. Hi, Avram. How's it going? Oh, it's going okay. It's been a little bit stressful this morning. I'm really sorry for not queuing you in earlier. Um, are you ready for this? I'm ready. Success is when you get what you want. Happiness is when you want what you get. That's a good one. Is that in Pergavos? That second part of it? Confucius. It's all Confucius. Um, actually, I may tape this one to my laptop. I've gotten into the habit of taping some of them to the board, which I know doesn't make ZK happy, but <laughs> that's a little bit tough life. But I am going to, uh, I think I'm going to tape this one to my laptop. I think this is, this is a goodie. We have to talk about some of the national holidays today. It's National Gin Day. I don't know that they mean the card game, but I'm going to let you read between the lines and decide what you want. Excuse me one second. Excuse me. It's also National Men Make Dinner Day. Evidently, according to the website, barbecue is not included. Nope. All the men in this room, and that would be the other three of you, you cannot get away with barbecue. It is National Bittersweet Chocolate with Almonds Day. Um, I do much of the cooking in my house. Oh. So. Okay, so then it's just Thursday for you. What do you mean? Toby doesn't cook? I, no, I didn't say she doesn't. I said I do much of the cooking, especially when it comes for Shabbos. I just happen to do a lot of the cooking. Oh, what's your favorite thing to make? By the way, we have a packed show, but that's all right. What is your favorite thing to make? I don't know. I, I, there's a lot of things in Susie Fishbein's books that I like to cook. There's a lot of things in Susie Fishbein's. Okay. Well, shout out to Susie. Yes, we work well in the kitchen together. Where's <laughs> That's a great line. Where's your uh, bread, by the way? I had some of it earlier, but I had to get it in before I started engineering because I thought if we had people here staring at me eat while they weren't eating, it would make them feel awkward or me feel awkward. Oh, so the fact that I just announced it on the air doesn't take away the awkwardness? No, because I don't see the people out there, and the people in here see that I'm not eating. 
It is National Bittersweet Chocolate with Almonds Day, as I mentioned before. If it was National Milk Chocolate with Peanuts Day, then folks, that would just be a Mr. Goodbar. Tomorrow is National Cook Something Pungent Day. We are all participating because if you're putting up your chalent, it really doesn't get more pungent than that, except when you got to throw out the chalent. That's a garbage I don't like taking out. Hey, of Rumbroth Snickers. Of course, only for himself. It's also National Domino Day. Dom- tomorrow, National Domino Day. I don't play dominoes. That is something I don't have the patience for. It's not, doesn't move fast enough for the pizza? me. I don't think so. You're also looking at the G- National Gin Day a totally different way, aren't you? National yeah. Parents as Teachers Day is tomorrow, but folks, I have to argue that that's every day. Our new segment as we started with the season is the crazy commute moment. And for me, it was actually that somebody identified me as Mary Poppins this morning. I really didn't realize what I was wearing when I got dressed, but I'm wearing a little bit of a flary skirt and the boots. And I have a golf umbrella with me today. And it seems that when I was on the platform (laughs) waiting for the F train to come, I was holding it in a Mary Poppins sort of way with like my hands on top and they were perched on top. And I looked like I was about to break into supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. If I had been wearing either a hat or the other shaitel, I probably would have really fit that. Anyway, this person looks at me and just goes supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Now, it could only happen in New York. And thank God it happened with me because somebody else... Well, their reaction might have been different, and I'm like, hum de lily, hum de Like, what else are you going to say to a moment like that? Anyway, you're listening to That's Live here on the Nahum Siegel Network. We have three important and incredible guests today, and I really do not want to make anyone wait, especially since two of them are here live in the studio. Rabbi Jeremy Stern is the executive director of Ora, and as I mentioned on Facebook when I posted my promo for today, this interview is literally ripped from the headlines. I'm not being... Um, I'm not exaggerating here. There's a tremendous amount that has taken place this week for those people who are watching, either on the New York Post or on Facebook, the struggles um, of one particular woman to get herself a get. And that prompted me to reach out to Rabbi Stern. We have spoken before, um, but I am very happy that he's here in the in the studio this morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's so great to be here. Thank you. It is my unfortunate pleasure, but I, I, I have to say that um, That's a wonderful greeting. Is it fortunate for you to see me? I no, I, I think Good that you too. I think that Ora <laughs> and Sharsheret probably have something in common. They are two organizations that wish they did not have to exist. Looking forward to going out of business. I, I tell people that that uh, once we resolve all the Aguna cases, I'm going to start a shidduch service. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, it's funny that you bring that up. I I have a question about that in terms of this specific case. So tell me. I know that um, you had mentioned um, we had mentioned peripherally in the front office while we were waiting for Charlie to finish. That uh, you've been pretty busy, pretty busy for the last two days. Yes. Tell me what that's been like. Tell me for those people who, for some reason or other, don't know what's going on. Let's bring everybody up to date. So the truth is, it really started about a month ago uh, when there was a big article of major news story on uh, two rabbis who were arrested by the FBI uh, for conspiring to beat up a proposed, um, supposed recalcitrant husband. Right. Uh, and so from that, there was then a lot of media interest in the issue of get refusal, uh, and the New York Post reached out to us. Uh, and reach out to um, to a number of Agunot uh, to see if they they'd be willing to share their story. So that's where it came from. Yeah. Ah, okay. And so New York Post is one of those uh, one of those newspapers. Reach out to us. Reach out to Gital Todelson, and she decided to to share her story. And you had known her beforehand. Yeah, absolutely. We've been working on the Todelson case. Uh, I want to make sure I'm going to be accurate here for I think about two and a half years. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and so in that time, uh, the first year that we were working on it, and a- as our approach always at ORA, the Organization for the Resolution of Agunot, our approach is always to try to resolve things amicably at first, to see if there's a way to open lines of communication between the two sides, facilitate a Besden process, uh, see if there's some way to ensure that the get is issued unconditionally, but to, to do, so, do so in an amicable fashion. Uh, and we try that for several months, uh, speaking with both sides uh, and seeing if there's some way that we can resolve things peacefully. Unfortunately, uh, those uh, those efforts were unsuccessful, and so we resort to using all halakhically acceptable and civilly legal. I pull that <laughs> underline, highlight, capital letters, civilly legal forms of pressure, so we don't use any cattle prods or bust any kneecaps. Uh, but we organized a, uh, a peaceful Tehillim rally outside of the home of Avram Meir Weiss, who's Ma'agin his wife now for, for several years. Uh, and so that our first rally, I think, was in May or June of 2012. Uh, and then, then there were, an, again, a number of efforts to try and resolve things amicably, move things forward, getting both sides talking. Uh, we organized another peaceful Tehillim rally uh, close to a year later. Uh, and so now we're, we're continuing to ramp up our efforts. 
and this is definitely one one tactic, one arm that you probably haven't used before was the New York Post. Um, I mean, it's not the first major media outlet that's covered a story that Ora's worked on. Um, but that that I understand, but I'm saying an Aguna who's specifically writing her story that's now being you know published in a major. Yeah, paper. What, what, what was what was unique about the story is that it was written as a first person account uh, by Yital. She right. was a, essentially a transcript. A transcript was recorded by the reporter. Um, and it, it was in that sense, it's very emotional, very evocative. Uh, and what what I see that it demonstrates is that what it talks about is the the controlling behavior, the abusive behavior that she suffered over the course of her marriage. And when I say abusive, uh, I'm not referring to physical abuse. Right. Uh, something uh, a point that that's critical for us is that domestic abuse is not just about black and blue marks. Domestic abuse is defined as a pattern of controlling behavior. Uh, and so that can be manifested in many ways. So it's not just physical abuse, but it can be emotional abuse and psychological abuse, uh, controlling uh, the other, the other, the other spouse in, in all sorts of ways. Uh, it's this pattern of controlling behavior. And so what you see from the article is exactly that pattern of controlling behavior that Gital suffered uh, over the course of, of her marriage, and that it was it's simply a continuation of that that control, that abusive control uh, that Avra Mayor Weiss is exerting over her in refusing to give the get. And in the article, she says that she had a that her most recent conversation with him is that this is he admits that this is the last thing he can this is the last Correct. way he can control her. Indeed, the, the get is is the last vestige of control that an abusive husband has over his wife. That's exactly what it is. And, a- and he's unabashedly using it as as leverage uh, for for money, for greater custody and visitation beyond what the court has has determined is in the best interest of the child. Even though he was the plaintiff in all contentious court matters, he was the plaintiff for custody, visitation, mm. child support, legal fees, etc. Uh, and there's a lot of distortion out there that, that goes on. These cases are are complex. Divorce cases are very messy. And what we hear all the time is, oh, there are two sides to the story. I was just right? about to ask you so, about that. Yeah, um, just because... And there's been a lot of discussion on this question, in, in, right. in Facebook and social media <laughs> and all of the, the comments. I'm just going to you have, I mean, you're reading my mind right now. Okay. <laughs> I have that power. It's pretty <laughs> impressive, by the way. Um, so, it, I mean, it just, it, it's obvious. You read the, the comments on, on Facebook and, and in other social media outlets um, and, and everyone's saying, um, you know, uh, there are two sides to every story. Right. But in abuse, there's no other side. There's no, the, abuse is never justified. It's never okay under any circumstances circumstances to beat your wife. It's not okay. If if she's attacking you, then you know defend yourself and run away and call the police. But it's never okay to initiate abuse and to be cruel and vindictive and 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 to and to to, to beat her. Uh, and so, just like one form of abuse is never justified, so to another another form of abuse, which is refusal to the issue we get, is also never justified. Yes, there are contentious issues in a divorce, and there are two sides to to the story of what happened and what. To whatever happened. it is, but but the the get has nothing to do with that. There are there's there are, there are many fair forums that one could go to to resolve custody, visitation, financial issues. And in fact, Avram Mayor Weiss chose one of those forums. Davka not Bezdin. There's a seruv, an order of contempt issue right. against him. Instead, he went to civil court. He chose that as his forum. Once he didn't get what he wanted, he's looking for another bite at the apple to try and uh, compel her to give him something that, you know, more than, than what the court determined was was fair and in the best interest of the child. There's a lot about this case which is which is disturbing and crazy and the conversations that are taking place not only on Facebook but on various blogs about what this says um, about the way Orthodox Jews date and the shidduch system, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and and what and how we have to look at marriage and how people have to slow down. There's another part, and I want to discuss. Can I start my shidduch service. I'll, I'll be able to focus <laughs> on that. There's a lot about that. I also want to discuss. But what scares me also is that please God, when He does give her the get, which should be God, it should be today, it should be now. Somebody else is going to marry him. That's what scares me. There's going to be another woman out there because it's a shallow pool out there for for women who are looking to get married, who are still not married, and they're single in their 30s and their 40s. Somebody's going to think that they can change him. And this, to me, is not a man who can be changed. This is a psychosis. I, ho- I hope she signs Allah prenup. And, and I say that with, without, without, I, I'm, I'm not joking. I mean, we really, we've seen the, the halakhic Do you disagree prenup. with me, by the way? I, I, it's, it's likely. Right. We, we, we've seen it in other situations. And, and, and in fact, often the husbands say, no one's going to marry, marry me. We, we've seen many, many situations where these husbands get, get remarried. And we hope their wives, uh, uh, sign halakhic prenup. So we actually, uh, recently had a repeat offender, a husband who, uh, no uh, way. Was a husband twice. 
Um, and uh, neither neither wife obviously signed the halachic prenup. Oh uh, I, I hope if he gets married a third time, the third one will. I don't understand the second yeah. wife after knowing what happened with the she, first. She she well she heard his side and and uh, and didn't you know only heard from his perspective and no one said anything to her and no rabbi no, no rabbi said anything to her. What is going um, on? Yeah, it's it it, it was it's very. And who very was the Masada Kedushin at that wedding? His All right. <laughs> I mean, give me a break. The number of the no, looking on the on the Ora website, which by the way is getora g e t o r a dot com org. Oh, sorry, uh, com org, but usually we use org. Okay, I mean, I, it came up as com. I'm sorry, getora. Um, getora. Either way, getora. The number of rabbis who have given their blessing to Ora and support, and the number of rabbinic endorsements, and the the various backgrounds of all these rabbis. I mean, you're going to say, oh, this rabbi's too modern orthodox for me. Look on the list. You'll find one who applies to you. Right. They all support what you're doing. I mean, Rav Heinemann has issued a, a skama for Ora, um, and I don't think he's is actually a modern orthodox rabbi. <laughs> uh, you know, Rav Shmuel first in Chicago, is head of the Yagod in Chicago, is, is, has issued a skama for, for Ora. And we, we work with, with Rabbanim and Batidin from across the spectrum. Um, you know, so in, in this case, I mean, in this case in particular, there's a Kol Kore, a public decla- declaration Issued by by ten uh, Haredi gedolim. Um, I mean, basically, almost every major um, uh, Haredi posek in America, uh, besides for Avramir Weiss's uh, grandfather of Reuben Feinstein, has issued the, has has signed this uh, this this declaration against him. Uh, so yeah, we, we we work with 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 Agunot and communities across the spectrum, from non-Orthodox to modern Orthodox, Yeshivish, uh, Haredi, Hasidish, uh, and and we'll work with the Rabbanim and the Batidin from from all those communities. So here's my question: If you have the Kol Kore in front of you, and you have all these Rabbanim who are backing what you're doing and the fact that this is a moral absolute, granting a woman a get is a moral absolute, then what is going on with that family? It, it's shocking, and, and people say, "How can it be right. that this is happening?" And and the answer is. Indeed, uh, I mean it, it's it's absolutely shocking. And just last night, I sat down uh, for a meeting with uh, a representative uh, or someone who, who who has been advocating on behalf of the the Weiss family uh, and Avram Mayer Weiss. And uh, what we see is black. He sees as white. What we see is white. He sees as black. It's an olam hafoch. He sees it entirely differently than the way we see it. And there was just there's no convincing them when they're so certain that 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 what they see is 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 the way it is. It's it's uh, it's very hard to, to to convince them otherwise, and so that's why we feel it's so important. What what enables domestic abusers, what enables get refusers, is the fact that they have family and friends and community who excuse their abusive right. behavior. Right. And so what we feel is so important is if we can change that dynamic, if we can get communities to say get refusals never. Justified. It's never okay to refuse a get. And the minute that you do, and certainly the minute there's a seiruv, an order of contempt against you from a bezin, and certainly the minute that there are a dozen gedolim who've signed a, 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 a public proclamation against right. you, right, that, that the community says, we're not supporting this. And unfortunately, in, in Staten Island, I'm sorry to, to, to rag Call on one borough, but right. we, generally <laughs> Call Staten, out Island Staten Island is, is the, uh, the borough that, that, that you uh, rag on. And, but again, nothing against Staten Island. We've had so many people who are members of that community who uh, who've been contacting us, emailing us, calling us. What are you doing? You don't know the full facts. And the answer is, if you would stand up and say, we won't tolerate this within our community, right. that would make the difference. It's, it is, I mean, it completely stumps me. The same way it stumps you, the same way it stumps everyone else, and the same way it stumps anyone on Facebook. And obviously, the there's a page, a very, very popular page, on Facebook to to garner support for Gittel and, and and help her get a get, and you would think that all of these different kinds of pressures would work. What is he? What is he? Or in this conversation last night, and you may not be able to share this information, but what do they want? What is that last holdout? What is the what is the thing that they claim? He needs to get in order to give her the get. So the question is really what motivates a domestic abuser? What motivates this controlling behavior? Okay. And so, so the, the, the answer is, is going to be dependent on, on every case. But fundamentally in these cases, I think a lot of it is, um, is if I can't have her, then no one can. It's just about control. It's about ego. It's about gaiva. It's about someone's power and control and, and a, a, a community that is saying that we're not going to stand up against them. It is it is an absolutely horrific conversation, whether it's for Gittel or anyone else on your site. By the way, there is a list 
of men on the site yeah. that are withholding gets from their wives. And those are we're, we're working at any given time on about 50, uh, five zero active Akuna cases. Um, so the ones on our site are ones where we're at the point of of, of public pressure and things like that. Uh, but there are many cases that that just like we worked on in, in initially with this case, uh, working behind the scenes and trying to work things out amicably. Where we we don't have them on our on our uh, up on our website, and we so hope we won't have them on our website. This is a last ditch effort. We, we never want to have an, a, a, a rally. That's not our goal. Right. Our goal is to get it, get unconditionally and in a timely fashion. Uh, and so there are many cases of working behind the scenes and, we're, and working amicably to try and resolve things peaceably. How did Gitzel first contact you? Um, that's a good question. I think it was uh, her, her father is has, has been you know kind of her, her spokesperson. And if I recall correctly, I think it was a, a friend of her father's knew about us uh, and uh, had worked with us on another case and referred her to us, if I recall correctly. I don't remember exactly, but I think that was a situation. And your first meeting with her? Uh, so the truth is, is that uh, something that's really important that we that we stress is that um, we don't represent the wife, we don't represent the aguna, we don't represent the husband, right? We represent the get. And so if if one of the sides uh, makes a donation to Ora or wants to give us money, we we have refunded donations when they've been given sincerely uh, because unlike, I'm about to make three bad jokes, but I'm going <laughs> to withhold myself on all of them. Um, uh, you know, uh, unlike what we saw a month ago, that was part of the problem with with uh, Rabbi Epstein and Walmart is that what what people were really upset about is that they're accepting money from these very vulnerable women. Uh, and so that's something that we make very clear. We won't accept money from them. We don't Present them. They're not our clients. We have, there's no attorney-client privilege or anything like that. We're focused on the get. We even once had a case uh, where uh, we can finally convinced the husband to give the get unconditionally, and the wife turned around and said, "Actually, I only want to accept it on X, Y, and Z conditions." And we and we just turned Ooh, around wow. and said, "Now we're going to try and convince you to accept the get unconditionally." We're focused on the get and on uh, upholding halacha. Uh, so you you ask, when was the first time we met her? I, I, the first time I met her actually, she I, I think was at the first demonstration that we. Ordered Organized uh, on know, her behalf. On, on her behalf, a year after we started working on the case, because we're not meeting with them as clients. The vast majority of our work is done over the phone, through email, uh, things like that. Um, so that, that's the, the, I mention that just because you know meeting when you, you asked about meeting with her, she's not our client, and and we often got it. That's th- a very th- important th- distinction. Th- th- to there make. are there are cases where we never meet the women um, because we're just we're working uh, virtually, we're working over the phone and by email and speaking with people, and sometimes organi- organizing demonstrations, and they don't show up and it's not about them. It's about the get. It's about halacha. It's about not abusing a Jewish woman. Getora.org or in my case, getora.com G-E-T-O-R-A um, Rabbi Stern, just in in, in one minute or less because um, we are running out of time. There are a number of documents and uh, pieces of information on your website that's really important for women and for men to know and to be and to have access to even before they get married. Yes. The, the halachic prenuptial agreement, right. uh, which was established by the, the, the Bezat of America, Rav Willig was the one who, who authored it. We've seen the halachic prenuptial agreement be 100% effective in preventing get refusal. We've seen over 500 cases of contentious gitten. Uh, we've never had a case where halachic prenup was properly signed, a copy was available, and the get was withheld for, for a lengthy period of time. Um, it has been endorsed by Major Poskim, right. and there is no posek that has issued any formal declaration saying, I'm saying from the from the Yeshivish world of the Haredi belt uh, that said that the, the halachic prenup poses a, a halachic problem for a get. The primary um, hesitation in, in in people using the halachic prenup is they say, well, it kind of feels uncomfortable, it's unromantic to talk about the divorce at the time of marriage. Get and over it. They, well, but it's not just that. <laughs> it, the halachic prenup simply provides civil enforcement for the terms of the ksuba. And so if you sign a ksuba under the marriage and you read it very proudly under the chuppah, right, and you put it up on the wall of your living room, right, then you should be able <laughs> <laughs> able to do the same with with, with the halacha prenup. I actually I say to people when when I si- my, when my wife and I signed uh, the halacha prenup, I kind of felt it was kind of romantic because I was saying to her, I love you so much and I care about you so much that I never want to hurt you. Mm. And if a guy can't sign his name to that. Don't marry him. I tell, I, we, I present to uh, yeshiva high school students, uh, to college students, and, and in shuls all the time, and that's, that's a message that we share all the time, that 
that that that refusal to sign a lachik pinim could be potentially a, a red flag for other right. controlling and abusive behavior. The message we want to get out there is: friends don't let friends get married without the halachic prenup. We need to have a culture change of everyone saying sign the halachic prenup, and we ex- expect it from rabbis to only be masada kedushin. Right. If a lachik pinim is signed, we should expect it from ourselves as well. If your friend says to you, "I want you to be a groomsman or a bridesmaid or an aid this or an aid that," you say, "I would love to." as long as you sign on Lachik Prenup. Those are words to live by, and I do mean that literally. Rabbi Jeremy Stern, I really appreciate you coming here today, the Executive Director of ORA, the Organization for the Resolution of Agunot. Again, that is getora, G-E-T-O-R-A dot org. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. It's really a pleasure. Oh, it is my pleasure as well. It is a tough conversation. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network, and we are joined by our second guest, who is a, I would call him um, a repeat guest, a repeat contributor here at That's Life, and a personal friend. I love having Rabbi Yoshua Marchuk here, because it brings me back to, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, when we were totally doing something else, and hanging out in his office while things were going on in the lunchroom and other things. Rabbi Yoshua Marchuk is the Director of Alumni Connections at the OU. You can reach him, and I'm t- giving you his email now because you're going to need it. If you have kids who are looking at colleges, or you have kids in college now, or you are a kid in college, Marchuk, M-A-R-C-H-U-C-K, at OU.org. Rabbi Marchuk, good morning. Good morning. How are you today, Miriam? Baruch Hashem, I need to decompress a little bit from Rabbi Stern, and that's nothing personal to Rabbi Stern, but we are taking a sharp turn here as we talk about this app. Now, I have to be honest with you. When you tried to explain to me the app that the OU has recently launched for um, for college students to find information about Jewish resources that are available on campuses, I don't think I really hopped it, to use a Yehoshua Marchuk word. I don't think I really hopped it. By the way, we should put that date down. I don't think I've ever said that on the air. Um, Mary Poppins. Exactly. By the way, you see what I'm saying about the Mary Poppins? Anyway. You are. I know. I know. Humdiddly, humdiddly. I don't think I really appreciated what this app did until I played around with it. It is ridiculously cool and incredibly, incredibly smart. Tell everybody about Juniversity Resources. So, first of all, good morning. Once again, thank you, Miriam. Um, the fact is that Juniversity Resources has been a, a work in progress over a number of years. It's uh, the um, it, when you speak to students and potential parents about what's going on on the college campus, the first conversation you end up happening is very often is, you know, there's a Hillel house there. Everything's great. Everything's swell. Let's move on. And the fact is, is that, you know, Hillel is a fantastic organization. And actually, the OU partners very strongly with Hillel in our JLIC programs that are on 16 campuses. JLIC standing for? Jewish Learning Initiative on Campus. Thank you very much. Sure. Um, and that they, we actually are partners together with Hillel. But Hillel is a... Um, is a really polarized organization that uh, that welcomes in all forms of Judaism. And the, you know, for the typical Yeshiva Day School family, for someone that's looking to be connected to the, the Orthodox community, well, that doesn't always work 100% to, to, together. Actually, in the um, in the Jewish Journal in Los Angeles this past week, uh, two weeks ago, excuse me, there was an article put out talking about UCLA campus and the Friday night services that was taking place. And basically, there were two minyanim that were going on simultaneous in the Hillel House. One was a small Orthodox minion of 20 students or so, and another one was in a larger group, which was a reformed service that was going on with a guitar and, and, a, and a choir and, and all kinds of musical instruments, which is terrific in all, because in this particular university, you had the option of having two different minyanim. But in m- many, many, many you know, communities and schools right. out there, you're only going to have one minion going on if you want, you know, one prayer group, let's call it, mm-hmm. and such. And and the fact is, is it's buyer beware when you go onto that campus. Right. So what happens is, is Good when parents point. are turning around and saying, you know, it's time to go to school, and I heard there's a great Jewish community out there. Well, we're not really sure what that Jewish community is. The are we we put together a resource that is a work in progress, and I want to tell you about how, actually how we got to it. But it's a work in progress, and right now we have 132 campuses represented on our app. Wow. And it's growing, thank God, daily. Um, and what happens is, is that on these campuses, and these, the, I'm, I'm sorry, the campuses represented on our on our app, and also it's web-based as well. So, um, by the way, if you those of you out there that are looking to look at it as we speak, you can either go to if you're web-based right now at ncsyalumni.org/backslash/map. That'll take you there. Okay. And as well as there's a Bitly. Um, so a- you just. 
Bitly. Uh, Bitly, yeah. Hey! All right, like go on. Bitly's, don't we? <laughs> Thank you, Ari Klickstein, for putting it together <laughs> and also teaching me that language. It's unbelievable how much technology I've learned <laughs> hanging out with, with college-age kids. Um, but Bitly, a uh, Bitly is... Uh, Forget you it. You should hang your... out with DK. You'll learn a whole different <laughs> vocabulary. Yeah. Bitly, if you type in B-I-T dot L-Y backslash Jew U app. Well, right, we're going to have to play... We're going to have to uh, post that on Facebook or we're going to have to get that out there somewhere. Great, yeah. great. You know, or obviously go to University Resources on the in the App Store, so you can go and play around. Those doing what happens is that you click on it, and I like to use Brooklyn College as a great a, a great example. I'm a Brooklyn you, College alum. Are you really grad school? Oh, terrific! Second time, yeah. It's not that I did the you second have, masters. Yeah, it's not that I jump, didn't uh, finish the first time. Uh, Broad Street as well. Bank Street. That's Bank fine. Street. Broad Street. Jump Street. I don't. Right, Jump, Jump Street was, was a movie, movie. A, right, a TV show, show in the eighties. Right. Okay. Right. okay. That was the last time you watched TV. There go you go. Right. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> so, um, University Resource app. Basically, if you go to Brooklyn College and you drop down, they'll give you a list of the various resources that are on campus there. Whether it's Chabad, whether it's Ish Connections, whether it's Maor, whether it's Maimonides, whether it's uh, you know Hillel, and and all. Of the the Orthodox resources, the traditional Jewish resources, come down there, and you can go ahead and click on it. It's my, it's Orthodoxy at your fingertips without having to actually do all of the research for the various campuses that you and your child may be looking at, or that you as a student are looking at. Instead of having to do all the hard work, somebody else did it for you. Exactly. And that's what the OU tries to do. We try to be a resource to the Jewish community out there, and this is one of the ways that we do it. How is this a division or an extension of your work from NCSY? Because you have a background in NCSY, and you have a love of NCSY. And I think that for you personally, this is probably a major personal accomplishment. Yeah, very, very much so. So, uh, yes, as my, as my history goes, I'm a product of NCSY. I was a, an advisor in NCSY. I was a chapter advisor in NCSY. I was a director of NCSY. You met and your now wife I'm in very NCSY. happy. I met my wife in NCSY, which, by the way, only because you mentioned that, we also started on our, our webpage, met, met through NCSY.org. Really? You know, met through NCSY. If you go to NCSY.org, yeah, okay. uh, that kind of a concept, except <laughs> we mix it with a uh, only Simcha's kind of a feel to it because we're looking for pictures oh. of couples that have met through NCSY Very and we nice. have their wedding pictures up there. So please, we encourage that. And you, as Miriam said, my email address before, marchuk at at OU.org, M-A-R-C-H-U-C-K, at OU.org. If you uh, are an NCSY alum out there and you met your spouse, That's great. please scan in your picture and send it over. We'd love to post you on our website. That's great. Um, but, yes, getting, back, getting to... back to how I did. So the, the idea is the following. The NCSY has been, is an incredible organization. It's been around. We're in our 60th anniversary year this year. Wow. And we have wow. done such, right? I know. Let that sit in for a second. Yeah. And the reality is, and I think we've spoken about this at a different time, that, uh, you know, one of, one of the former national director, Rabbi Berg, when he was, um, when he was walking through the halls of, of, uh, Base Medrash Kavoa, Rabbi uh, Aaron Cutler said to him, he says, Rabbi, do you have any idea how many of your alumni are walking through these halls? And the answer was, no, I have no idea how hmm. many alumni are walking through these halls. On the same note, they're a major, major, major member of the, uh, reformed, uh, youth, youth, Excuse me. The reformed wing, the youth wing of the reform movement. He's also an alumnus of NCSY. Wow. So we have absolutely no idea how far the 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 uh, the current of Jewish influence has come through NCSY. So the but the idea is is that over the last number of years, as we've always heard about, oh, you know, you know, we're you know all the great work that has gone through the Yeshiva Day School system and all the great work that has gone through NCSY, and then they get to the college campus and they get diverted into different directions. The fact is that NCSY needs to continue. The, with the OU's influence across campus, on, into the shuls. And right. that's why we have the Synagogue S- Services Division. And that's why we have the, the next gen division, which is JLIC, Israel Free Spirit Birthright, as both of us have run trips, mm-hmm. as, as the Heart to Heart Division, which is also involved right. very strongly with what we're doing, and an alumni. And the fact is, is to connect our, our mission statement, our goal is to connect Jewish kids to Orthodox, to, excuse me, to, to Excuse me, I better know our mission statement, right? To connect kids to authentic Jewish programs on and off college campuses. And the reality is, is that through this, through this app, we can go ahead and bridge that gap from kids coming through NCSY and the Yeshiva Day School world and connect them to authentic Jewish resources on and off college campuses. And these resources extend not only to Minyanim and to kosher food, but what else? Jewish learning, to, to, um, to uh, Yom Tov programming, to social programming, to, uh, you know, you name it, basically, to, to, to a rabbi, to put, to, to, to a rabbi and a rebbitzin on campus to go ahead and talk to and to try to get through the difficulties that you're, you're finding on campus mm. or not, or just to enhance your Jewish life. We, we view as an opportunity 
the freedoms that college brings to you. There's a reality as every as every uh, freedom comes. There's a danger to it, but there's Absolutely. also a reality of a potential of growth. And with these resources and the tools that are on the campus and the Jewish community itself are putting so investing so much money, time, effort, and hard work on the campus that why aren't people knowing about it? Why are people right. coming to campus and then finding out? Oh, by the way, there happens to be a rabbi here too. That's great. No, 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 no. When you're a parent, when you're an educator, when you're a principal, when you're a, the rub of a shul, you have to go ahead and know ahead of time when you're sitting down with your 11th grader and your 12th grader and hmm. saying, hey, where are you going to campus? Let's take out the app right. or, or whatever resource it is. Absolutely. It's not about the app. This is, a, this is an opportunity to give a tool to the community. But however it is, do the research. Know what's going on on campus so you can be that much more informed to send your child to campus. It's also empowering as a parent and certainly as a child, somebody who um, – very much believes, especially in, let's say, using myself as an example, believes that we live a modern Orthodox life and that I do not have to bring my kids up in a shtetl in order them, for them to remain and, and be, and be strengthened by their roots and their heritage and the way they've been brought up. We like to teach our children that they can be in a secular society and still maintain their, their Yiddishkeit. And this app speaks to that because these are not just, quote unquote, Jewish schooled campuses by any stretch of the imagination. They go from anywhere to... They go anywhere from Bar Ilan, which is true. I wanted to put an Israel spot okay. on this. That's the one there. But they go anywhere from from Brooklyn College all the way to uh, the you know Wash U, all the way to uh, to Santa Monica, you know the UC Santa Monica to to anywhere. Some place that you would not necessarily say, oh, I can find a Hillel, exactly. or oh, I can find a this, or I can find a that. You are opening up doors to kids who want to experience different experiences, who want to look at either the United States or the map of the world and say, I can be a modern Orthodox Jew here. Mm -hmm. And you are empowering them to do that. It's really quite fantastic. Again, it's called Juniversity. You can find this app on iTunes, right? Correct. And you can you download it also from the website? The, the App Store. The App Store. Sorry, sorry, the App Store. And you can, I'm sorry, Anne. Can you do download it from your website? No. There's no, no, no link to that. You can, there, there are, we, you either can do web-based right now, or you can go ahead and you can go to the App Store, and the Android uh, version is coming out in uh, the next next month or so, and we're, uh, we're, we're hopeful that'll be ready. It's funny, by the way, how we all have to do the iPhone app before we work on the Android. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah I'm an app guy. I'm an, an, an Apple guy, so you know, that's, uh, right, I think that's I where it started from. And I, if you've seen my latest top 10 list on Facebook, it's all the things I can't stand about iOS 7. Um, <laughs> let me ask you another question. Whose idea was this? Because it is... Pretty ridiculous, and, yeah. and and by the way, ridiculous in a great way. Um, but whose brainchild was this? So, so I have to tell you, this was a uh, this was a gift that I was given. It was it was the it was the uh, raw materials to get started. Was the concept from Rabbi Dave Felsenthal? He's the uh, the director. Rabbi of Rabbi Dave. Gen. Yes, Rabbi Dave. Why is he the answer to everything? Okay. <laughs> you know, because Rabbi Dave thinks out of the box. He just he, he also just, gets it. He gets it. Whatever that it is in terms of this and in terms of kids and in terms of NCSY and if Eliza Kravitz Sussman is listening as the as the uh, Silver Spring, Baltimore girl that she is, it, it, he gets it. A hundred percent. And he knows what kids needs, and he's always a step ahead of what's going on. So it was Rabbi Dave. It was Rabbi Dave's idea. He, when I came on board, it was you know it was in its very early stages, um, and it wanted it needs to be developed, and it's still being developed. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, you know the thing about an app like this uh, in a resource like this is that it has to constantly be updated and it constantly has to be growing. That's what I was going to ask you, how often it's updated. Ah, so it's, it's updated as often. We, we constantly are sending out um, requests from our people out on the field. We have a buzz group in, uh, in the RNC SWAT department read, you know, run together with myself and Ari Klickstein and Melanie Goldberg. They're constantly sending out to their, their kids on campus the buzz groups of asking for updates on, hey, did the buzz staff Buzz groups. Change? Yeah, our buzz group. Mm. And uh, we, have, we have kids <laughs> around, camp, around the country that are NC SWAT alumni for the most part that are on, you know, are, 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 you know, are ears, to, ears to the ground kind of a concept. So we're asking them, hey, what's going on, on campus? Are there any changes on the staff? And, and, and so on and so forth. Um, we also have an open relationship with, 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 with educators across the board. I actually had the, the schluss this past weekend to be at the Shluchim conf conference. Dinner. I saw those pictures. 
It was amazing. Really? It was amazing. I, I mean, you know, Joe Lieberman was great. You know, him and I and a couple other people were, you know, look, you know, did not, you know, we're not Lubavitch. There were a handful Which of Which of us. these people do not belong here? Exactly. There you go. Exactly. Um, but it was amazing. And Rabbi Greenberg, who spoke from Princeton, was unbelievable. But could you imagine, you know, being in a warehouse that they converted and brought 5,200 people for a dinner? Right. It was, it was just, it was amazing. But those are, those are our partners. Our partners are on the, are, are, are the H, the H New York and the mm-hmm. H, the H, the, uh, you know, See, I love to hear that word partners. I, I really do because I think that one of the things I like the most about this app is that every resource available in each of these universities on each of these campuses is not necessarily from the OU. Correct. And I think that that is key. That they, we are all, I, I, the joke is, or the, as the adage goes, it takes a village. In this case, the village is coming together. I have to tell you, even, even if you, it's not just the app. The, the actual name of the department is Alumni Connections. And the, the concept is, is that we run very few programs ourselves. We view ourselves as the bridge. We want to bridge our kids to the programs that are going on out there, the great programs that are going on out there. So the world is, the world of tra- the, the, the traditional Orthodox world is, are our partners. Mm-hmm. And we want to get our kids to them. So that's the way it flows. And, and basically, without those relationships, and I guess that's what I, that, that's, that's the main focus of my position, is that I'm the relationship builder between myself and, and the various organizations. And that's what we work on. You know, and you also asked how we updated and get the information. Right. So we we just finished with your buzz groups. With, with our buzz groups is one one way. We also ran this contest a few you know over over the over basically El and Tishrei was uh, it was called High Spy. And uh, what we did was we sent out, you know, we, we, we were asking kids to go ahead and post pictures of themselves doing something Jewish on campus. Fun. And, 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 and once they do it, they put those, put those pictures up. Fun. They get the likes. And, you know, it was a $100 gift card for the most likes at the end Great. of each week. The idea was that to go out there to find out what's going on there, to post those pictures and get the excitement going and then get that information of what's going on on those campuses. And also to prove that you can do it. Yes. You can be a from kid. Yes. In, in, a, in, on a campus where you wouldn't expect there to be a from life. Right. That's also enormous and that the kids are living it. Listen, I'm not going to tell you and you and I are not going to sit here and say, oh, it's easy. It's no. not easy. No. Even speaking to a former student of ours, of yours and mine, who comes from a from family, went to a Hester Yeshiva in Israel and is on a secular campus. He said to me, you know how hard it is to get up from Minyan every morning? Right. He said it's harder than it is at home. And I hear that. Now, I don't get up for Minion every morning, but I hear that because that mm-hmm. was such a real statement. It was so honest. And he said, and he goes, I, I grew up loving Medinat Yisrael, and I grew up loving Torah, and I've never missed Sheer. You know how hard it is to get up for Minion every right. morning? It was such a real comment. So to, the, the fact that this app speaks to the strengthening and the giving the resources to our kids to say, you can do this and we're here to help, that's tremendous. Right. It really is tremendous. And I love the fact that you're speaking about this with such passion. I know that NCSY has always been a love of yours. It's probably your first love, and no offense to Deb. But um, but I hear that, and it, you should just know that the way you speak about this project, it really comes through. So call a to Thank you. Thank you very much. My pleasure. It is always a pleasure having you on Marchuk at... Um, OU.org, correct. I, just, I actually just had a question. I'm going to interrupt you before you even finish that off. By the way, the, I don't know if you heard, there's a, uh, there's this marathon going on in a couple of months in Miami. Yep, you know? heard all about it. I heard all about it. I Dude. remember being here not so long ago. Everyone remember? The last time I was in, in there here. There was cake. There was cake. Because <laughs> I did you, come on that. It's all about you and the food, for God's sakes. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm with you. I, I just want to know. I, I was speaking to Ellie Hagler. He yeah. said he might have had a conversation with you at some point. He did. You know, I, I, I got to tell you something. Which I was one very. Who thinks you're going to bully me. I, I just want to, I just want to say out. the following. I Do was I very look excited. Like a I was very excited. You were very excited. You, I, we, you ran a birthright trip. Did. You won Miss Birthright, Miss Birthright. I'm never going to stop going to Birthright. And now I can't get you on Birthright. You and, then, no. and then, and then I go ahead and say, okay, Mary, <laughs> you're going to run on a marathon. I'm going to run a marathon. And you get knocking down there, the whole show. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a year later, and I don't oh. see what jazz in the studio with me. This I know, time. and actually, I was thinking about her the other day because um, of the New York City Marathon, and I wondered if she ran, and I really should be in touch with her. Yeah, so it's really sweet that you came on the air to <laughs> basically guilt me. What, what, what do you think of Romeo? Yeah, what do you think? Uh, Romeo just wants to go to Florida. I don't think I should really get involved. In <laughs> In but this, I would like to go to Florida. Okay. In this in this family spat, so to speak. All right. Well, Rabbi Marchuk, we can definitely continue this off the air. And if Ellie 
Hagler calls in right now. I will make sure to ignore that call and all the texts I'm sure I'm receiving as we speak. But as always, you can reach out by Marchuk, Marchuk, M-A-R-C-H-U-C-K at OU.org. Stick around. Um, I will speak to you once we are off the air. But I do want to get to our third interview. You're listening to That's Life here on the Nachum Siegel Network. And Beth Steinberg joins me on the phone from Israel. She is the co-founder and executive director of Shutaf. S-H-U-T-A-F, that's CampShutaf.org. And Camp Shutaf is a year-round Jerusalem-based informal education program for children and teens with special needs. Beth, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to uh, have a chance to uh, talk to you and talk about Shutaf. Yes, no, it's a pleasure having you on. And actually, it's funny that we mentioned Birthright because that was the first time I met you um, when we were... De- when- oh, my God. <laughs> which seems like a long time ago, and we can talk about that in another interview. But I do want to talk about Shutoff because um, it's a phenomenal organization for those people who are in front of their computers. That some of our listeners, many of our listeners, listen on their apps. But that's CampShutoff.org. You can also find them on Facebook. Tell me about Shutoff, and of course, it starts with the love of a mother. Uh, actually, it starts with the love of two mothers. Shutoff was founded by myself and my co-founder Miriam Avraham. Uh, we're both former New Yorkers. We're both uh, parents of children with uh, disabilities. And uh, together, we pretty much felt that we were tired of having no camp for our kids during um, summer vacations because we started in August of 2007. And I had just made Aliyah. Mm. I, you know, I, I came from the Golden of Medina. I lived in New York. I lived in Brooklyn, no less. But I didn't find Brooklyn that easy to navigate for after-school programs and for camp programs. How about just navigate in general? Yeah, go on. Sorry. <laughs> It is. Hard. It was hard to navigate in New York, um, right. and we didn't. We we struggled in many different ways. But when we moved to Israel, and I chatted with a couple of parents, I said, "So, what do you do during the summer?" And they said, "It's a catastrophe." Oh. And from that was born a small program. We started with ten children in the summer of 2007, and by the summer of 2008, had a three-week camp for 40 kids. This past year, we served 89 kids and teens, ages six to 21. And everything we do is inclusive in a very different way. And we also run a year-round program. So at this point now, we have after-school services. We have camps during the Pesach vacation, which is a really long vacation from right. school, what parent wants their, wants their kid home when they're getting ready for Chag. <laughs> and, uh, and then August, another period of need for working families. Absolutely. Tell me about what kind of programs are um, are available. You said that they are informal education, that they're a little bit out of the box. They're a little bit out of the box in a bunch of different ways. We see, look, for, for, kid, for a kid with special need in, needs in particular, what they really need is a, comf- every kid needs this, a comfortable social environment where, you know, you're doing different kinds of things, meaning we think about the therapeutic benefits, we think about the educational benefits of every activity, whether it's animal care or, you know, doing Zumba classes together. Mm. We're thinking about that in the, with, you know, with our, shall we say, educational head-on. What the kid does is the kid comes into a program which is just plain fun. It's enjoyable. They're with a nice range of different kinds of kids. They're not looking at each other and saying, oh, he has a disability and he doesn't, or he has this kind of a disability and he doesn't. And that truly is what we try to do. We try to um, take down walls that are created by, honestly, difference, um, especially for those typical kids. You know, people always say to me, why does a typical kid come to your program? We mm. have kids, remember, the majority of our kids that we serve are kids with a range of different kinds of issues, and we include typical children into the program. That's very different. Nobody does that. Who includes typical children? Most programs are, you know, it's a program for a person with, um, you know, it's, a pro- it's a, an inclusion program generally is a person without any kind of disability, and a child with a disability is included into the program. But we said, listen, if we level the playing field and build a great program that's suitable for all, Everyone goes home happy, and that's what happens in Shuta. Is there um, is there a situation in which you have looked at a family who has a special needs child and said, "I'm sorry, but we can't include your child"? Yes, uh, we live in Jerusalem. Jerusalem's a very handicapped, inaccessible city, so that means that I generally I can't take a kid with a significant physical issue. And uh-huh. believe me, nobody thinks about the inclusion of kids in wheelchairs, for example. Um, so I can't take them because I've never been in a fully handicapped accessible site. This year I've come the closest we ever have in the six years that we've been um, in business. Um, recently we have a family we serve. Um, it's a single parent. She's got seven kids. She's got a couple of kids with issues. Um, we have one child at, our, at the program. The second child who we've had at the program in the past, we were forced to reevaluate and discuss with the parent and say, look, your kid needs a more seriously mm-hmm. therapeutic environment, and we're not that environment for that child. 
And that was a very hard thing for us to do. We sat around. We kind of scratched our heads about it. We said, well, maybe we'll bring in another staffer. And at the end, we decided to say to the parent, look, we're not saying no forever, but for right now, we feel the kid needs a different kind of support that we can't offer. CampShootoff.org. That's C-A-M-P-S-H-U-T-A-F.org. Tell me about the blog section, the blog part of your website. So we use it as a place for parents. It's been primarily myself and Miriam, my co-founder, to speak about the challenges of parenting. I feel that's a big thing that doesn't happen in the world of disability. We know it We know it took years for it to happen in the firm community. We know that, you know, even beyond, people are uncomfortable talking about disability. Parents are afraid to come out of the closet. Parents are afraid to talk about the real challenges they face, the grief they may feel at the time of diagnosis, mm. the different periods of adjustment into their lives. I talk very openly about things. I think about one blog post I had last year actually on the Jewish Week. Uh, Jewish Week has a blog, a blog called The New Normal. Right. Um, and it's all about disability issues. And I, I, had a, I had a blog that I called the Tiger Mom Blog. <laughs> and I talked about how when somebody puts my kid down or finds them wanting, I get very angry. Right. And it really stimulated a lot of conversation. And for a lot of people who read it, they said to me, I, I really didn't know. And then I realized I'm doing them a disservice. I have to share with people what I experienced. I and mean, I don't have to share, but I've chosen to share what I'm dealing with. It t- so that, I'm sorry, go on. No, that's no, right. So that people understand so that maybe they'll feel less afraid. It's, it's a very, it takes a very strong person and a very strong parent to be able to share feelings like that. Even if you have, if you, if your child does not have special needs, Kava Homer, if your child does have special needs, there was, um, th- of course, the stigma of having a child with special needs, the concern of many families that their other children weren't going to get married. But that's all changing. And thank God for that. There is that new normal. Families are looked upon as different than we were years ago because every the life life has changed. Families have evolved and situations have changed. And I think that I think that families are understanding that. I, I also think that families are understanding more than ever those who are comfortable. It behooves us to talk about it. It behooves us to talk about it because we really have no option if we're going to share what it's about. And if we're going to expect the community to step up to the plate, we have to let them know what we need. Somebody said this. I had a discussion with somebody in our shul. I went through, like, I want to walk into shul and immediately find a place to sit with my son. It's not always easy, right? Mm. You walk in, shul might be crowded. There may not be a seat. Somebody said to me, oh, I didn't know. Mm. And I realized I didn't tell them. Wow. Wow, that's a really, really important point, something I would not necessarily have thought of either. Let me ask you about raising special needs children in Jerusalem. I know that okay. you, you and I have spoken about it um, a little bit via Facebook, and we only have a couple of minutes left. But there are different challenges to raising a child with special needs in Jerusalem versus raising them in the States. But one of the things I liked the most about what you wrote to me was that you would still raise your child in Israel no matter what. I, look, we moved when my son was nine, you know, um, and in the beginning, I was keenly aware. I mean, we thought about Aliyah for many years, and after my son was born and there were some medical issues, one friend of mine said to me here, a friend of mine who lived here, she said, well, you know, don't come until you feel you've resolved some of your big issues. She said, because services here aren't quite the same. Mm. And there is truth to that, your access to therapies. Um, your access to certainly inclusive services are very, you know, it's difficult. It is difficult, and there's a lot on the backs of the parent. The thing that I felt in New York is there was a lot on the back of the parent as well. You know, I got my kid in, my kid went to a program the last year before he met Aliyah, my kid went to a program, um, the Byway program in Brooklyn, right? So he went to Bensonhurst, it's a bilingual sure. English-Yiddish program in the public school system. Right. It took a lot to get him in, right. and it wasn't perfect. And I felt that there was a part of me that felt that I struggled in Brooklyn for years to find programs that seemed right for him. He didn't fit easily into any program. He still doesn't. And yet I find a quality of acceptance here for him in the programs that I didn't find in New York where the focus was on, like, uh, what's that, you know, no child left behind. Mm-hmm. I felt for him it was every child left behind. Wow. Wow. Well, and again, I, I will be, I will, it, yes, it's not perfect here. There isn't enough inclusion. Programs... School programs, like an American parent coming and looking at the program and they see the school building, they'll think to themselves, you know, are you kidding? I'm going to send my kid here. Hmm. But there's also a lot of willingness to think out of the box 
in certain small-scale places. And if you can find that right place and the right... And also, you should live in the right town. Right. Like, you know, Jerusalem may not be the right answer, but I guided a family towards moving to Ranan. I said, Ranan has got really good services for their particular needs. I said, go there. Don't come to Jerusalem. Well, I think that that's incredible um, information and guidance and also uh, as a resource for you, for other parents. The Israel for Me section on the website speaks to that, correct? Well, actually, Israel for Me is a particular program that we have yet to pilot, but we really dream of. Um, <laughs> Israel for Me is about helping families who have kids with special needs visit Israel. You know, you're a family. Like, you know, you say to yourself, I'd like to bring the kids. I'd like to come the whole family. I celebrate a Celebrate it, I don't know. But you say to yourself, okay, how am I going to survive the plane ride? And then when I get off the plane, how am I going to have fun in Israel? What am I going to do with my kid who's got the disability? And what am I going to do with the rest of the kids who also want to have a good time? How do we plan a trip that works well for all of us? So one day when I find that right community to partner with, I'm going to see five state families come together and have a fantastic experience in August when we can offer them summer camp at Shutah for five days. Imagine that you come to Israel, you get to send your kid to camp. You could send your child with a disability. You could send your child. Who wants to be on a tour bus all day anyway? Most of <laughs> don't want to be. Mom and dad get, get to get up and go off and do their own thing, come back later in the day, splash in the pool, have fun, go out for dinner. We'll get you a babysitter. Have a vacation in Israel. It's possible. That sounds unbelievable. I really hope you get the funding and the right partners for that very soon. That's campshutaf.org, C-A-M-P-S-H-U-T-A-F.org. Beth Steinberg, thank you so much for joining me, and I hope you'll join me again soon so that we can up, get updated on Israel for That's me and the great. other programs. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Miriam. It's been a pleasure. A pleasure. You're listening to That's Life here on the Nahum Siegel Network. Thank you for making us part of your day. And, yeah, it looks like it's about to start pouring any minute. Let's go through the lineup for the rest of the day so you know what to expect and, of course, what not to miss. Nahum Siegel is already in the studio. He'll be starting in about five minutes. The live lunch starts at 11 o'clock. It's on from 11 to 1, followed by the premiere of Sound Advice with world-renowned author and psychologist Dr. David J. Lieberman. That's at 1 p.m. The doctor is in and taking your calls. That's 212 529 Four six two zero. It's free therapy. Tune in and hear more. And Gorf, Jordan B. Gorfinkel hosts this week's Sun Show at two p.m. Followed by Mark Zomik's choice for album of the week. Spin class at six p.m. will resume next week with a full election roundup. You want to tune in next week when Michael Fragan is back behind the mic here at six p.m. to look at everything that went down this week in New York City politics. Charlie is up at seven p.m. wrapping up the lineup. That's Charlie Burnhout, by the way. Tune in all day long. You can join Nahum tomorrow morning from 6 to 9 a.m. as he hosts JM and AM live here on the stream at NahumSiegel.com and JMandAM.org. Malcolm Holmline will join him just around 7.40 a.m. That's on 91.1, 90.9, and 91.9 FM. Don't miss that weekly update. And, of course, Naomi and her funny accent and Table for Two are on tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Don't miss it either. You hear that coming up in the background. That's Shauli's Shiviti. It's a song I'm a little bit obsessed with right now. That's a Rummy bringing it up. You can check up the whole season, check out the whole season of programming on the schedule on our website, NalcolmSiegel.com. Click on the network schedule. My thanks to Avrami. My thanks to Rabbi Jeremy Stern. That's getora.org. My thanks to Rabbi Marchuk from the OU and Alumni Connections, M-A-R-C-H-U-C-K at OU.org. And check out Camp Shutaf, C-A-M-P-S-H-U-T-A-F.org. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. Ana elech meruchacha Leana mipanecha evach Nesak shamayim shamata Biatia shalom hineka Nesakam pishacha eshkena beachorit yam גם שם יבחת תנחני, תוך בן ימינך, שהייתי השם לנגדי תמיד. Thank <laughs> you.
אנא אלך מרוחך. אנא מפניך אברח. נסק שמיים שמצה, ויציע שאור Thank you.